0: This is Salmon Folk Radio. the first episode of Salmon Folk Radio. My name is Charlie Morris. I'm the host. Salmon Folk Radio is the world's first podcast dedicated to the removal of open-net salmon farms from the world's oceans. If you're wondering why that's important, then you are definitely listening to the right show. The interview you're about to hear took place on May 23rd, 2021, between myself and Chef John Taylor via a Zoom call. And I have to admit, this is not the interview that I thought that I would start Salmon Folk Radio with, because I wondered, what does a chef with international experience cooking in five-star Michelin restaurants, who is from the East End of London and now lives in Denmark, what could that chef possibly have to say about farmed salmon? And the answers surprised me uh, quite a bit. So take a listen in. You might be surprised too. And before we get started, just one quick heads up about uh, the use of some colorful language. Chef, just like he uses all the spices in the kitchen, he likes to spice up this interview with some colorful language. So if there's any kids listening around, just be
1: forewarned. Please apologize for my swearing, but I'm a chef and uh, we have terrible language. (laughs) I will try my best not to swear, but I can't promise.
0: I really like the title Chef, do you want me to just refer to you as Chef Taylor through the conversation or do you just want me to
1: call you John? I don't mind, whatever you like. I'm not fussy, I'm not an egotistical prick, so I don't really bother me. You call (laughs) me whatever you want, I'm fine with it. So tell me, Chef, how long have you been a chef?
0: Just to introduce the audience a little bit to your background.
1: Professionally, I've been cooking for 25 years in restaurants um, as a trained chef. Previous to that, i have been cooking at home, um, annoying my mum and dad for many years before that. And then I got really interested in, in cooking and didn't mind spending a few hours every day doing it. Um, and then I went traveling. So then I went to Thailand, India, Vietnam, China, and that just opened my sort of mind to all the different cuisines and the way people look at food, respect food, look at the ingredients. And the way people connect with their ingredients that I think us in the West generally have completely lost. We have no connection with our food anymore. That is interesting.
0: I never thought about it
1: that way. Yeah. I mean, my my partner's a teacher. So I'll tell you a story. We come from London, inner city, uh, East London. She asked the question in in class once, where does milk come from? And 90% of the kids said Tesco's. Tesco's is a supermarket. Probably about 10% of them actually said it comes from a cow. Wow. Yeah. So that's the sort of problem and the scale of the education that is missing, really. Obviously, I'm I'm worried about the state of the salmon industry. And being a chef with lots of experience is quite worrying.
0: When did you shift from being a chef who didn't worry about salmon
1: to now? I think I've always... it depends what level of chef you are i think and how much respect you have for your raw ingredient so i sort of grew up in some really good kitchens with some under some really good chefs and the, the respect for the produce was always quite high um so not just obviously the salmon but every sort of thing you put on a plate should have a meaning if there's no meaning to it then it shouldn't be there you should have the respect of where it's come from is it quality? Is it the best you can get for the price? Um, so, you want to get the best ingredient on the plate and to turn a profit. I think with professional chefs, it's not as uh, relevant as normal market customers. You know, a customer just wants cheap food. They, get, they walk, they browse a the supermarket shelf. Is it cheap? They don't look at the quality, they don't read where it's come from, they don't engage or connect. Right.
0: You know, there's two sides to this whole thing, which is most of the campaigns from the activist level or just the environmentalist level are targeting going after the companies that are doing open net salmon fish farming. Because that's a really obvious target. They're great big billion-dollar earning targets. It's it's an easy target. I think the demand side is really the other half of the equation. And how do you educate a consumer? How do you convince someone to not, to give up just going into the store and going, oh, it's salmon. It says sustainable on the package.
1: I'm good. Yep. So they have packaging that's been designed just to grab your attention. And before you know it, you're not making a choice. You're just grabbing a price and putting that in your basket. Yes. So it's quite important. I think education from our levels going filtering back down to a normal customer is really important. We need to get some sort of education going to the Joe blog person in the supermarket. They need to understand that it's their choice that's creating the problem. Right.
0: One of the things I really want to chat with you about is, does the chef really know? Do most chefs even know that they're serving farmed salmon and the
1: implications? I think it's, do they know or are they ignorant to the fact I think it's a bit of both uh, on the situation.
0: You know, if I wanted to go to my favorite restaurant here in town and try to find a way to talk to that chef to say, hey, did you know what's going on with the salmon that you're likely serving? What what do you think would be a typical chef's reaction? Would most chefs be open to that or would they just be like, Jesus Christ, I'm busy. Get out of my face.
1: Yeah, they would be busy. And, and chefs are quite um, sort of anal because they think they know it all and they're a chef. So they've got this bravado, bullshit attitude as well. Um, and no one likes to be told something that they don't know. And I think that they, they would flag it and say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, of course I know about that. And then obviously go back and stick it in Google and go, oh, shit, really? I never knew. So if you've been cooking
0: professionally for about 25 years, what point along during your professional career did you start becoming aware of what's going on with the farmed salmon
1: that was coming into your kitchen? Well, with the farm salmon, it was I can I can honestly say that in the places that I've worked, I would rather not use salmon, and it came to a point where I'd actually stopped eating smoked salmon, stopped eating raw salmon because it just wasn't good. And obviously, we've got certain levels of of what we call decent, high quality, and really high quality when it comes to the farms. It's only through my knowledge now that i realise realised that I don't think even the high-quality farm is good. And then obviously the trawler ship farm that is where stocks most supermarket shelves. I wouldn't put a battery-farm chicken on the menu mm-hmm. in any restaurant I've worked. So I really wouldn't put salmon on the menu because I consider it the battery farm of the seas. It's exactly the same process. Too much in a small space. No respect for the natural environment that it should be. I mean, I have an analogy. I don't know if you want to hear it. It's quite disgusting. But So let's let's say we've got an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Okay, you've got Michael Phelps, Olympic world champion, gold medalist. Everyone knows him. Okay, so along comes Michael. He jumps in the pool. Another 50 people jump in the pool, similar age. And then you get another 50 people jump in the pool after. And then we throw... 200 kids in, and then we throw another couple of hundred babies in. And they're all swimming around, having a lovely time, okay? No idea what's going on. As they're swimming around in this overcrowded, infested uh, environment that we wouldn't do to humans, we wouldn't let it happen, okay? As they're just swimming around in their own excrement, not bothering themselves, eating it, getting ripped apart by sea lice. Yeah. We wouldn't do that to ourselves, but we're doing it to our animals. So every salmon farm is the same as doing that.
0: And I want to insert here that, so a lot of people, if they're listening to this, they might conclude, okay, I'm just going to quit eating farmed salmon. I'm only going to eat wild salmon. And I just want to point out, obviously, that if everyone decided I'm only eating wild salmon from now on, <laughs> the wild salmon stocks would be it's depleted impossible. in a year. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand we can't have... The wild stocks are are where they are. I think there's a thing that says there's been no wild salmon caught in Scotland for quite a few years now.
0: Yeah. And in British Columbia, where most of the the British Columbia salmon farm industry, which is, of course, really the Norwegian farming industry, something uh, like 85% or more of all the salmon grown there, which, of course, are Atlantic salmon being grown in the Pacific, about 85% of that goes to California from what my research has shown from people I've chatted with. And yeah, some of the salmon farms runs there are down to, you know, at the top of my head, like below 2% of what a normally healthy salmon run should historically be. So you see postings online of folks talking about going to big family gatherings. And for the first time, sharing a jarred and, and preserved salmon with one another isn't able to happen because, There's not enough wild salmon to catch. Mm. Um, Yeah. Most of the major rivers over there have wild salmon counters, literally counting the fish that go up and the numbers are so low. It's pretty much like there's no salmon run existing any longer in a lot of those rivers. It's really unbelievable. And it's all because the migration routes go past the salmon farms that are right there on the migration route. And it all started when the farming industry began in the british columbia area
1: yeah i think people can have the cancel culture why haven't we not cancelling why are we not the cancel culture is not working for the salmon industry if we all stop eating it they'll soon stop making it just for the simple fact that you want to put salmon on your plate it's having an awful life and you don't want to pay the price that it should cost because it's the mainly it's the supermarkets who drive down this cost and they do it with the milk industry. They do it with the chicken industry. They do it with the beef industry. Can you explain what you mean by that? How does a grocery store drive down the price? The grocery store doesn't do it in one. The grocery store does it collectively. So they will say, okay, you're a milk producer. We will only pay you 10p a litre. Take it or leave it. Oh okay. You've got to sell because you don't have another choice to sell your 10,000 litres to someone else. Wow. So that's how they control the price, this is how they collectively drive down the price to the farmer so he has no other choice. He doesn't have four options to sell to. He has one option, and that's who he supplies to. So they force him to keep the price down here. The farmer's not earning any money. He's just literally keeping his head above water. Whereas if you go to a small artisan producer who only supplies 100 litres because that's all that the cows can make, and it costs you 10 times the price. We've lost the reality with shopping. We just walk in, we see cheap, we see product, we put it in the basket.
0: Right. I know before I got involved with all this, which only started in 2017, I didn't eat salmon much. I live on the East Coast of North Carolina, which is like the Middle Eastern part of the USA. And, you know, salmon is just something that comes from the grocery store. And... Mm-hmm. um you can get it in any kind of form you can imagine, all different packaging. You know, I just assumed that every salmon was a a wild-caught salmon. I imagined a fisherman, you know, out in the ocean using a fishing boat or a fishing Yeah, a little
1: fishing rod,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's really <laughs> what I pictured. Every time I went into a restaurant and I looked at the menu and I saw salmon, I was just like, wow, fresh from the ocean. That sounds tasty. Or today's catch. (laughs) Right, right. Today's (laughs) catch. And I just. Catch of the day, yeah. I just had no idea um, that I didn't even know that salmon could be farmed. I just had no idea until I got involved with all this. So it's been a huge eye opener for me. But I think I always refer to myself as Joe Schmo. You know, like if Joe Schmo Charlie didn't know that, then my guess is most people have no idea
1: that salmon farming not. even exists. No, they don't. Yeah. There lies the problem. It's that, and as we said, going back to the education of it, um, but you, people have to want to connect back into the food cycle and people will be ignorant like uh, leading a goat to water. You know, Ignorance is bliss when it's saving you money in your pocket. Right. And right. We've, got, we've got to this culture now where it's all about saving a penny and saving this and saving that. And why should we eat? Protein like this every day, because when I grew up, you was lucky to get meat once a week. You got chicken maybe once a week and fish maybe once a week, and then the rest of the days you use the leftovers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I
0: I can remember well enough in my childhood that we definitely didn't have salmon in any grocery store. It's just a product of brilliant marketing by Norway, and if you look at all their marketing on their websites. Their main thing now, their main uh, marketing push to push back against the environmental concerns is like, look, we're compassionate. We're trying to feed the world, but that's crazy because the whole world
1: doesn't need to eat a luxury item like salmon. I mean, oh, no, exactly. I mean, you, as you said, you're quite right because I'm starting a new business and now I'm thinking about where do I price my product. Yeah, you know, and then I'm like, well, it's a luxury product. This is not. Let's not be under any illusion that this is a product that you're going to go, wow, that's really good and cheap. I could put that in my basket. No, you can't. I made it by my hands. I've put my love, care, and time into it. I've got 25 years' worth of experience. You're paying for that shit. <laughs> don't, don't expect to walk at the end and go, oh, 50% off, two for one. That's brilliant. John, you're great. No not going to happen <laughs> i want you to pay for it and i want you to walk away thinking oh that's expensive i'm going to enjoy this so okay tell me about then your new project okay so my new project is what well, i believe i believe this is the future of the salmon industry so it's onshore salmon farm okay and the danish which is where i live i live in denmark now the danes have been sort of the leaders of this aquaculture onshore farming, it's sustainable, it's environmentally friendly. I know it's taking completely a sort of Mad Max view of, of food, mm-hmm. but I think we have to, because we can't keep raping the seas. Something has to stop. People don't understand. So you buy a farm salmon, it comes from, let's say, Norway, okay? So they, they take it, they drag it back in a boat, then they they have to leave it to settle again so it's not just completely stressed. And then they kill it. And then they gut it. And then it goes through to the shipping. And it could be a four-day process before it gets to my kitchen. That, that, and that's fresh salmon. With this new Danish agriculture salmon system, it's taken out of its environment. It's not transported anywhere. So it doesn't have any stress. So the salmon literally swim through. And then they're killed, stunned, killed. And then they're gutted and then it's it's delivered to me. All that process happens within 24 hours. Wow. I think this is the, the, the most humane and nice way to carry on producing salmon that people can quite happily and ethically feel good about putting, not just in their mouths, in their partner's mouths, in their children's mouths, and in their family as a whole. So Danish salmon has their operations, obviously they're in Denmark,
0: when was the first time you heard about it? And I just want to say for the, for the listeners, Danish salmon operates an RAS, which is a term you'll hear if you do research. It stands for Recirculating Aquaculture System. And it's the solution mm-hmm. to getting the fish farms out of the water and onto land where they will do less damage to the environment. So how did you first find out
1: about Danish salmon? First heard about Danish salmon, I think it's quite funny really, because I think the first farm was in California. And this was quite a few years yeah. ago. And I don't know, as I say, the Danish were quite market leaders in this type of uh, of way of farming. But for some reason, they couldn't get the funding to do it properly here. So they took it to California, and I think that's where they opened their first farm. I mean, so this was a... I first heard about probably about four years ago, and I was thinking, why the fuck is Danish salmon in California and not here? Obviously, that's the first fault. It goes logical fault. So... We do have other salmon farms here, but they've had some problems. Um, let's not be unrealistic. Nothing is free of of problems. And you're trying to create a new system um, with technology and the way you're breeding things. You're always going to have problems. Um, so uh, I think it's called Atlantic salmon. They've had some quite difficulties, whereas this Danish salmon side seems to have took it at a slower pace, looked at the, the process more, and got it right and they've obviously looking at the process of Norwegian salmon and the fat content and how much it costs and the the environmental impact um, from the wild I say the wild I mean the out-to-sea farms that they have Um, and they've tweaked their system and it seems to be working very well that's I think for me that's fantastic news and for the salmon world it's fantastic news It's bad news for your Norwegian old fashioned people because they don't know that their industry is dead yet. But we are here to take over. Hopefully, that helps the Indigenous people. If we get the fuck out of the sea, the sea will slowly repair itself. Yeah.
0: I mean, that is one of the most staggering things that occurred to me. You know, I traveled to Vancouver Island and, you know, sat down and met with people whose lives have been turned upside down by fish farms you know people who have are connected to folks that have been eating salmon for 10,000 years Mm. suddenly can't have salmon it's crazy and and it it dawned on me I was like wait a minute you know if all these farms are killing the salmon here and most of these fish are going to uh, California I hate to pick on California but it's a huge economy and they are one of the major consumers of all the salmon that come from British Columbia I was like, wow, how many people in California are eating salmon right now in a nice upscale restaurant, not realizing that their purchase is funding the destruction of indigenous culture? We've
1: lost the respect that yeah. we have for the food chain just by being ignorant.
0: Let me ask uh, just for anyone who lives in Denmark who might want to connect with you or like, what's the name of your company that's coming up?
1: Uh, the company is going to be called Royal Newborg Smokehouse. And basically it's going to be a modern style smokehouse. Obviously my go-to product is going to be smoked salmon from Danish salmon farm because it's the freshest, it's the best. Then we do a very slow process where we sort it down for 11 hours. Then we smoke it for 24 hours in a special blend of uh, three different types of sawdust. Um, And then after the process, we take it back out, we put it in a fridge, we leave it to rest again for another 24 hours. And this enables all the oils to, to naturally sink back through into the meat again, and it firms up the product at the end. So with the Danish salmon, they actually produce their salmon, so it's got at least 5 to 10% less fat in it, mm. which the way modern the modern health lifestyle is, this is the way people want to eat. You don't want to eat fatty foods. If you could buy a pack of smoked salmon from uh, our beautiful, wonderful supermarkets that we all love, and then you look at the oil that's in it, most of that salmon has not even been inside a smoking oven. It's injected with a smoking brine to speed up the process. So the filleting is done by a machine. The salt solution and smoke is injected at the same time and it speeds up the process. So basically when it goes in the conveyor belt as a whole fish, by the time it comes out at the end, it comes out in a little packet like that, that you pick up off the shelf and go, Oh, that's good and cheap. Isn't it? Fantastic. (laughs) It's an industrialized process that, as in most places are now with the chicken farms and all the, the, all the beef and that it's the same sort of process. It's mass produced. The love's gone out of it. You wouldn't know the name of the producer who made your salmon. Right. I want to start a business where people know it's John's made it. These lovely little hands, well they're not little, but you know, and they're not lovely 25 years of cooking, you know, but they are what they are has made your product. My two daughters are involved in my business. So it's a family business. They're 15 and 16 years old. So they're interested in starting a business. So we're going to start this business together. So once we have this go-to product, which will be the cold smoked salmon, then we're going to make smoked sauces and we're going to make smoked jams, jellies, relishes, um, smoked mayonnaises, all different ranges of stuff. This will be our only protein product, I think, because I can put my hand on my heart. I believe in it. I can't believe in anything else that's out there at the moment to honestly say, buy my product. I don't want to put my hand on my heart and sell you shit. I want to put my hand on my heart and go, you can't get better. I just want to thank you on the record
0: for this amazing interview. Like this went in so many really important directions. I just, I never thought of that it would be connected to people being disconnected from where their food comes from in the supply chain and everything. thats um It's like such a holistic
1: way to think about it. Yeah. So it's up to us to start going right. Enough's enough. Wake up and smell the coffee. We can't carry on like this. Well, I'm going to close it there, Chef John Taylor. Thank you for your time, Charles. It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it.
0: I just want to add a disclaimer here that the conversation and topic around RAS being a solution for open net salmon farming is still in question. Can they work? Will they work? Well, the one thing that we do know about RAS at this point is that yes, it does resolve some of the issues from open net salmon farming, but it is still salmon farming. And I definitely let Chef know before we did this talk I was like, hey, just so you know up front, I'm against any farming of salmon, but I'm also aware that I'm living in a world where we need to be talking about all the options on the table that are not open net salmon farming. And so RAS is definitely the closest thing to a solution that we have right now. So it's going to be talked about often. You're going to see people talking about this out there. So I felt like it was risky In a way, to have my first podcast be about RAS, just because it might make it sound like, hey, everyone, I'm now a spokesperson for RAS, Um, and I'm not, definitely not. My preference is that salmon are only grown one way, by Mother Nature. But do I think the millions of salmon consumers out there are going to suddenly just start giving up eating wild salmon, because like I said earlier in the podcast, that many consumers of wild salmon would decimate the wild salmon population. So I still think people will be looking for places to get salmon that they think, well, okay, I don't want to do open net salmon, but I still want it from somewhere if there's an option. So that's why I wanted to do this episode with Chef Taylor, because it it is something that people should be thinking about. And, And what RAS does, at least, at the very least, is it does remove salmon farms from the migration pathways of wild salmon and that would be a huge victory. It could take open net salmon farming out of places where indigenous peoples are doing traditional fishing techniques thereby protecting their way of life. That's also a plus. But there are also many challenges to the RAS infrastructure in general and I'm not going to hit all those right now but I just wanted to sort of provide some context to this conversation and I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening to Salmon Folk Radio. I'd like to thank Chef Taylor for taking his time to speak to me. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed speaking to Chef Taylor. Just such an interesting guy to talk to. And you know, if if this podcast affected you, I'd really like to know. I mean, honestly, I want to know if this podcast is having any kind of impact. And especially since this is the pilot episode, I'd love for people to reach out and say, Hey, Charlie, yes, yes, this has encouraged me, you know, to stop eating farmed salmon, or at least to investigate the issue. So there will be a forum on my website, which is salmonfolk.com. And on there, please submit your feedback. I also want to thank Tora Geyer Vosvik. Tora music will be featured in just about every episode. And you can learn more about Tora at Vosvik.com. That's V-A-S-S-V-I-K.com. Anyway, I also want to thank Jay Siebold. He does all the sound engineering and sound design. I've also got a couple... Other things to mention, on my website you'll also see a link to my Patreon, and this is the pilot episode, costs have been covered for the sound design to let Jay do his fine work, but wow, I would love to be able to keep that going, so if you feel like sharing some Patreon patronage, please check out the link on my homepage, also I have a GoFundMe going for an episode and a film that I'm going to be releasing on this very topic. And uh, that would be fantastic to get some contributors or some sponsorships going. So this was a contemporary interview with Chef Taylor. This is, this is a picture of what's happening right now that you just listened to. Moving forward for the next series of episodes, we're going to go into travelogue mode. Um, some of the things that are referenced in this interview with Chef Taylor, now you're going to be hearing more about those things. When I took my trip to Vancouver Island... I brought all my cameras and my microphones, and I documented everything that happened. So we're going to take a deep dive into the travelogue section here. When I went there to learn all that I could about salmon farming, the industry, the people that are affected. And I hope you find it as compelling to listen to as it was for me to experience. So please tune in next week. And as long as I'm doing my job right, those new episodes should be coming out every Tuesday at 2 p.m. This is Salmon Folk Radio.